series. I haven't done a series in a while, so we've, we've done that here in January and finish up here the first Sunday in February. This will be the fourth session and the final one on missing the mark, missing the mark. What is that a definition of, missing the mark? Sin. Sin means to miss the mark. Sin means to disobey God, to break God's God's laws or rules. Remember, God's rules are there not to put us in bondage, but to, to keep us free and set us free. And actually, when we break God's rules is when we get in bondage and, and have problems. And so we've been talking about missing the mark. And uh, when you miss the mark, you, you tend to go around the same mountain again and again and again and again and again. You stay stuck in the mud and you just can't proceed on with, with what God has for you. And what we've been doing in this series is we've been looking at things that folks normally wouldn't think of as being sin. Um, now, if you look here at Galatians 5.19, it says, The works of the flesh are evident. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, uh, other lists in the Bible where, where sins are listed, lists, homosexuality, um, you know, you look at those and you say, well, yeah, those are clearly, clearly sin, sinful. And then idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath or losing your temper, you know, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders. Somebody said, well, I'd never murder anybody, but there's another scripture that says that if you hate, hate your brother... In God's eyes, you're equal to a murderer. You need to realize that. And then drunkenness, revelries, and the like. In other words, there's other things that could be in this list that aren't in the list, but and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who notice practice, there's a difference between blundering, making a mistake, uh, and practicing, which is an ongoing lifestyle. Those who practice such things will or will not will not will not what inherit the kingdom of god is this is this stuff serious very serious now in that list you saw many things that jump out at you clearly as sin and over the past weeks of course we talked about fear and worry a lot of times folks don't think about that as sin but it is that's something i have to deal with continuously But to be in fear and worry, anxiety, as God sees it, is sinful. Gluttony, you know, we talked about that, that a lot of times you'll have somebody, you know, a lot of times you'll have preachers in the pulpit beating people over the head because of drunkenness. And the preacher that's beating the pulpit weighs 600 pounds. Now tell me what's wrong with that picture, you know? Remember... As God sees it, if you mess up in one area, you're guilty of all. Is that right? Is that right? Didn't we look at that scripture? So, you know, it's just not fair uh, to, to pick one of these sins out and just beat up on people. And the best example I know of is, is you know, because yeah, I've seen it. I've watched, you know, I, you know, I, I, I was a glutton. Glutton for punishment? No, glutton for food. 
I'm, I'm a, I, I look better now, don't I, than when I weighed so much? Does it look better? I was 166 yesterday when I weighed myself, down from about 230. I was a glutton, plain and simple. And I'd come stand in the pulpit and, and you, know, pound, you know, homosexuality is sin. How many of you know homosexuality is sin? We wonder why California is, is, I feel impressed to the Spirit of God to say, you wonder why California is in the worst drought in history. Well, you can't come on there on the Grammy Awards and put and, and, and parade homosexuals getting married. How many of you know God is not in favor of that? But it's not fair for me to beat up on those people when I'm, you know, eating like a hog. You know, you understand what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying? Not eating one piece of chocolate cake, but, you know, I eat one and then about four more, you know. See, I had a problem, and, and, and I just kept going around the same mountain, the same mountain, but now we, we've, we've got victory. Glory to God. Amen. Feel a lot better, too. Unforgiveness, holding grudges. Has anybody ever done that besides me? Judge, being judgmental, you know, we talked about that. It's so easy to slip into that. Talking badly about others and, and gossiping and backbiting, which I'm convinced is one of the main reasons Christians and, and church, churches don't go any further than they do is because of, of people that have been saved, born again for years and they still talk badly about people and they go out to lunch after service and talk bad about the pastor and others in the church. God just isn't going to bless that, you know. Husbands, we talked about husbands not loving their wives. That's sin in the sight of God. We talked about wives not being submitted to their husbands. Sin in the sight of God. We talked about not living by faith or trusting God. That's, that's sinful. Laziness, overworking, we looked at that. Idolatry, we looked at that last week. And remember, we didn't bring, bring it across from the standpoint about bowing down to a golden calf. Most people I know wouldn't do that. Most Christians I know. But... Uh, there are a lot of Christians I know that would put the Super Bowl ahead of the things of God. Is that right? Is that right? Now I'm, I'm going to watch the Super Bowl tonight. I'm going to have I'm going to have a good time with that. Lord willing, creeks don't rise, you know. But uh, th- that's not as important to me as serving God. Do you understand that? Did you hear me? Okay. So we can enjoy these things. But uh, we just can't put anything ahead of God. Also, we talked last week about corrupt communication, you know. And again, most Christians that I know would never cuss themselves. But they'd go to a movie that they know has cussing in it and taking the name of the Lord in vain. They'd go to the movie. Uh, you know, uh, we, we showed you last week that that's sin in the sight of God. Is that right? Now, to get into the new material today in this in this verse that we just looked at, if you look there at verse 20, the second word is saucery. Real loud, say saucery. Yeah, saucery. So do we have any witches or warlocks in here? Or bubble, bubble, toil and trouble, you know? Well, we understand that witchcraft is sinful and all of that. And casting spells and all of that, you know. Uh, this word for saucery, we get our Greek word pharmacy, or the Greek word there, we get our English word pharmacy. It can, 
It it can mean drug abuse, certainly. But I want to talk about a different angle on this. If you think about when the witches or whatever, when they're casting their spells, what really most of the time are they trying to do? They're trying to control others. Realize I say control, trying to control others. Do you know that, that when we try to control others, that that's sinful in the sight of God? Did you know that? Now, I'm not talking about parents having rules for their children, because a lot of times children think that the parents are trying to control them. Now, that's good when, when, you're, when your parents have rules for, for you young people. That, that's good because they're setting boundaries to keep you inside a certain area where if you get beyond that, it can destroy you and you can be hurt. So, so you know, a parent should have rules for their children. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about somebody trying to control somebody else. You know, this is one reason marriages a lot of times aren't all that they should be for the, for the Lord is because you get the wife trying to control the husband or the husband trying to control the wife. Control. Do you know that there are people that try to control others? Did you know that? I've watched, uh, I've watched pastors over the many years try to control their congregation and try to control what the people in their church did. And, and, and I was around that some when I was younger and I saw it and, and I, I just have an avarice for it. Do you know what, how many knows what the word avarice means? I don't even know what it means. What does it mean? It means a hatred, doesn't it? I just hate it when I watch a pastor try to control a member of their church. Just, just, and God doesn't like it. Um, I just, sometimes I just, I think I almost get in the ditch on the other side of the road. I just, I just don't like to tell anybody anything about their personal private life because that's between you and the Lord. And about the only time I'd come to you is if I just sensed in prayer that there was danger for your life. I, I, I would come and talk to you then, but I mean, you know, where you live, where you work, what you do, that's between you and the Lord. Can you say amen? I can stand up here and teach you the word of God, but then, you know, I've had people come in my office over the years and they want my advice on something. I give them my advice, you know, and then I tell them whether you do this, this or this, whatever I've said, I'm going to love you just the same. And, you know, is it, I think a, a pastor ought to be that way. What, what do you think? Not try to control people, but, but controlling a controlling, uh, spirit or, I've watched, I've watched the other side of it too, where in churches you'll get a group of people that they'll get together and try to control the pastor and they'll try to control what he, what he preaches on. And, and you know, you don't want, you don't want a, a, a group of members in a church controlling what a pastor's preaching. You want God controlling that. Is that right? See? And, and so it can work both ways, but it doesn't have to be confined to a church. I've watched, like I said, I've watched family members try to control one another. I've, I've watched friends try to control uh, one another. You know, one, one of the main tools that's used in control is guilt. Did, did you know that? Guilt? Guilt? A guilt trip? Have you ever had a guilt trip put on you? Well, I have. That's no fun. A lot of times people will use guilt to try to control others. And so we don't want to uh, be people that try to control others because when we do that, it's, it's sin in the eyes of the Lord. It's, it's akin to sorcery, witchcraft. 
Look at 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4 in the Amplified Bible. It'll be on the screen. 1 Corinthians 13 4 said love endures long. Did you know every God is love? Is that right? And every time we take a step out of love, we step over into sin. You need to realize that. Love endures long, is patient and kind. Love is never envious, nor boils over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not what? Insist on its own rights or its own way. So when we insist on it's got to be my way or the highway, when we take that position, when we take that stance, then then uh, we become controlling. And when we do that, I believe that uh, we step over into sin. And... Uh, and we won't be all that God wants us to be. So we could talk on and on about, about controlling, being controlling. But if, if you're that way, if you're that way and you feel like it's got to be your way or the highway, I want to encourage you today to judge yourself and repent of that. And realize that your way might not be the only way to... You know there's more than one way to skin a cat. Is that right? Is that right? Isn't there? Yeah. How many, how many of you would agree you could be wrong? I, 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 could you be? Yeah. I've learned that over the years. I could be wrong. I have been wrong many times. Hmm. We got to go back and talk about being judgmental there. But you know, well, it's, we've been pastoring now almost 20 years and uh, it's taken me, in some things, it's taken me 20 years to figure some things out, that some things that just don't work, you know. And uh, I guess sometimes it just takes that long. But uh, I've been wrong in some things. I've had to change some things. You, you understand? Have you ever been, does anybody want to join my club of you could, you've been wrong? <laughs> I don't know, I just, I was looking at this where it says something off the beaten path here, unmannerly. I, I don't know why I thought, every time I read that, I think about the first time Diana and I, this is verse 5, the first time Diana and I ate ribs at a restaurant, and there was a bunch of barbecue sauce, and I'd always gone out and eat with the boys, and you know, out eating with the guys, we don't care, we slop barbecue sauce all over everything, you know, and, and I was sitting there across from her, and this is back when we were first dating, you know, and I was eating this like a, why did you ever marry me? I don't know. But I had barbecue sauce slopped all over the place and all over me, and, and uh, I looked over at her, and she just, thought, what's wrong with you, girl? This is good eating. Remember, I used to be a glutton, but we've... <laughs> So I'm scarfing it. You think I'm kidding on the glutton. I'm telling you what. I'd sit down to eat and I was thinking, is this going to be enough? And, and I hope she can't eat all her food because I want some of that, you know. I had a real problem with it. But let's get back to the subject. 
So we don't want to be people of control. Here's something else in this list. It talked about being inflated with pride. Did you know that, and this is pretty obvious, that being prideful is, is sin, isn't it? Doesn't it say that pride goes before a fall, a haughty spirit, before destruction and all of that. But you know, in Romans 12, 3, notice this. Let's, let's get off control here and let's talk about pride here for a moment. You know, it's so easy to slip over into pride. Did you know that? So easy. This is one we got to watch. But here's something else I want to talk about. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Now, this verse taken one way, certainly we shouldn't be prideful. We shouldn't be inflated with pride. We shouldn't think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. But did you know if you look at this verse another way, that we should think highly of ourselves, shouldn't we? And you know, just as easy as it is to get over into pride, it's just almost as easy to get over into having an inferiority complex. Did you hear me? So we shouldn't think more highly of ourselves than we ought, but we should think highly of ourselves. Now, not in and of ourselves. How many of you would agree that in and of ourselves, we're we're nothing? Is that right? But, but we're not, if we're born again, if we know Jesus, we're not in and of ourselves, we're in and of Him. Is that right? And, and we're in Christ. And in Christ, we're somebody. And so we need to see ourselves that way. Most Christians over the years that I've dealt with, they, they, they see, look at themselves as a dirty old good-for-nothing dog that doesn't deserve anything. How many of you know that's not true? Jesus made us worthy. Is that right? And, and so worthy that his blood has cleaned us so sufficiently that the Bible says we can come boldly to the throne of grace. If you really get in and study that, we can come boldly, not haughtily or pridefully to the throne of grace, but we can come boldly before the throne uh, uh, of grace, before the throne of God. Without We should have no sense of sin whatsoever at all. Isn't that wonderful? But you've got to be watchful there that you, that you don't get over and become haughty and prideful, you see. Because it's not in and of ourself, it's in and of what he did for us, you see. And, uh, and so you don't want to get into pride, but you don't want to be inferior. I have this in my notes here about pride. One way pride manifests itself is that it is not teachable and trainable. Did you know somebody that's not teachable and trainable? They're, they're, they're in pride. Did you know that? I've, I've worked with these people over the years. Used to be like that. Uh, used to be very prideful. I used to be very, you know, I know everything about everything, you know, when I was younger. And I, and I had to learn, and I learned the hard way that that's no, <laughs> that's, that's no, no good. But like with me and my wife will tell you, I have this other issue, this other problem is, is I usually when I'm in one ditch, I get out of that ditch and I wind up being in the ditch on the other side of the road. Is that right? She's shaking her head yes. It's like this, I talk about this weight thing because it's relevant to me right now. But I have to watch it that I don't get out of this ditch of weighing way too much. And the next thing you know, I'll over, be over here looking like olive oil. You know, I don't know who olive oil is. That's Popeye's girlfriend. I'm just... I'm just confessing some faults that I have. Does anybody like me? You, you get out of one ditch and you get in the other ditch. Did you, is, am I the only one that struggles with these things? I get out of one ditch, I get in the other ditch. 
One way pride manifests itself is that it's not teachable and trainable. It already has everything figured out, especially when it has little or no experience in the thing it already has figured out. Let me give you an example. I've had, I I remember, I've I've had a couple of people come through here over the years. Uh, They've never started a church from scratch. They've never pastored a church. They, They really don't know that much about the Bible. But yet they've got everything all figured out how to pastor a church. And they're going to tell me how to pastor the church. And they're going to tell me that I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm totally wrong and this, that, and the other. Now, these are people, they haven't built anything for God. They haven't even built a chicken coop for God. But they've got it all figured out. Have you ever met anybody like that? Those people annoy you. But we've got to love them, don't we? But they've got it all figured out. They've got everything all figured out. They've never done the thing that they've got all figured out. They've never done it for themselves, but they got it all figured out. It's real easy to be a, what's it called, a Monday morning quarterback? It's real easy. But try going out on the field when you got these big guys coming at you, charging at you, and they want your, they want to, you know, they want, they want to hurt you. <laughs> it's a whole different thing, isn't it? Let's go to Genesis 6-5. Just a few more of these and then I'm not going to preach on long here. So what have we talked about so far We've, today? What have we talked about? Controlling. Being controlling. Manipulative. Manipulative. Controlling. We've talked about what else? Pride and inferiority. Don't think too highly of yourself, but don't think lowly of yourself. And now here's something else. We're looking at things that normally aren't talked about when we talk about sin, missing the mark. Genesis 6, 5. Then the Lord saw that the, the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every, now not just occasional, but practicing here, practicing. Every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. I want to talk a little bit about your thought life. Um, now, right now, you can see me up here moving around. You can hear what I'm saying, but you don't really know what I'm thinking. Now, I wonder if there was a way that we could open the screen somehow on everybody's head just in this room right now. And we could see in there and see what you're really thinking. While I'm up here preaching, I wonder how many people are at lunch right now. <laughs> I wonder how many people are thinking, you know, this guy is a wacko, you know, or, or I don't like this guy. Or, you're not thinking that, are you? <laughs> I've already been up here preaching over the years and I, I was here preaching, but my mind was somewhere else. I wonder if we were able to look into our thought life. I think there might be a lot of people, and including myself, at sometimes we'd be going like that, wouldn't we? Is that right? Because we would not really want people to know the kind of things that run through our heads. Now, having an evil thought, has anybody ever had a horrible evil thought run through besides me? Now, 
the devil can run thoughts through our, our brain. And that's not sinful if, if he runs a thought through there. It's called a, the Bible calls it a fiery dart. It's not evil. It's not evil. It's an evil thought, but it's not sin on our part if something runs through there. When it becomes sin is when we begin to meditate on it or think of on it. Entertain it, I guess, is a better way to say it. Did you get what I just said? And... Uh, You know, I think that this is an area that really needs to be looked at and dealt with because I'm very serious. If if we could look into everybody's thought life right now, I'm not talking about now the devil running something through. I'm talking about what we're entertaining, what we're meditating on, what we're what we're thinking on. Uh, Probably, you know, there's some things there's some things in my life. I wouldn't be proud about you. Is it okay if I'm just honest? Fears that I have, worries, things that run through. Jesus said, out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts. Look at this, Matthew fifteen nineteen. Go there quickly. This is, this is a big area here, guys, gals. For out of the heart proceeds what? Evil thoughts. And then notice what he groups that with. He groups evil thoughts with what? Murders, adulteries, fornications, theft, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man or a woman. Evil thoughts. Evil thoughts. Well, give us an example. Well, Jesus said something in Matthew 5, 28. Let's go there real quick and notice this. Matthew 5, 28. He said, but I say to you, Whoever looks at a woman to what? To lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. That's pretty serious, isn't it? See, actually going to bed with a woman and having sexual relations with her when you're not married, that's that, I mean, there's a lot of Christians, most Christians I know wouldn't do that. But they do it in their thought life and this doesn't just apply to men looking at women this would also apply to women looking at men and lusting how many of you know there's nothing wrong with looking at a a woman and oh she's a beautiful woman nothing wrong there but it's when I call the double take you know you look once you know but when you and then the mind starts going now we've got a problem is that right Nothing wrong with a lady looking at a man and saying, he's a he, he, handsome fellow. But when it's that double, and then, and then all of a sudden the wheels start turning, now that's where we've got a problem. And the Lord said that if we look at, he said, look, if a man looks at a woman to lust for her, see, it's looking to lust for her, he has already committed adultery with her in his heart. A good minister said this. They said that your body never goes anywhere where your mind doesn't go there first. Do you know that's true? And 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 Christians, and whether it's Christians or, or people that that don't know the Lord Jesus, e- either way, when they fall into adultery, they fall into these affairs and things. It doesn't start out in the physical. How many of you know it starts out up here in the noggin, doesn't it? Huh? Doesn't it? 
So if you, if you, if you could shut the thing off up here first, you'd never wind up in the bed with them. Is that right? So this thought life is a big thing and you know, I don't have the time this morning, maybe sometime later in the year, we'll, we'll teach on uh, some things about controlling your thoughts. And there, there's ways from the word of God that you can, can get where you can control your thought life. Because this is a, this is a big area where, where, where sin, that's really, sin is cultivated in the heart and in the mind. That's where it begins. And so, and I'm very serious, uh, you know, uh, if we could look into everybody's noggin right now and see what they're thinking, you know, and and maybe that would be, maybe that would be a way to to fix a lot of things. Is if the Lord just gave it some kind of, if He could just somehow give us an abracadabra type of thing, transparent, where we could look in and you could see what I'm really thinking and I could see what you're really thinking. It's not going to happen, but. Have you ever been standing there talking with somebody and in your mind you've been thinking, you know, why, why did you put that piece of clothes on this morning? That really, or, or where did you get that silly looking hat? Has anybody ever... Am I the only person that goes through this stuff? Who dressed you this morning, you know? My gosh. You know what I mean because it doesn't match or... I'm not putting people down for you never thought that yeah have you ever been talking to somebody and you were listening and you were talking but you've been you was thinking something weird yes pastor terry i've done that thank you thank you all right gary's is that a gary's back there like that, is that a touchdown or did you do okay okay This is so sobering that nobody can laugh. <laughs> well, they have a little fun in church, right? <laughs> but you've been you've been talking to somebody and you just you've been thinking weird stuff or bizarre stuff. But but you know, so we can joke about it, but seriously, this is a problem that 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 does exist and we need to notice Hebrews 4:12 says for the word of God is living and powerful sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit joints and marrow is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart there is no creature hidden from his sight. Now, you know, we talked a minute ago about wouldn't it be interesting if there's somehow we could look into other people's brains and see what they're thinking. Well, we can't do that, but there's somebody who does do that and his name is God. And, and in the end, it really doesn't matter if I know what you're thinking or you know what I'm thinking necessarily, but it is a big deal because God, he knows what we're thinking. Is that right? And it says right here, verse 13, says there's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. He's a discerner, verse 12, of the thoughts and intents of the heart. We're talking about things that we don't necessarily think are sin. We understand that looking on a woman to lust or looking on a man to lust is sinful. 
But did you know that there's another area of sin that we don't normally think of as sin is motive. Realize, say motive. Motive. Why did you do what you did when you did it? This is something that's going to come up when the Lord judges us. I'm convinced of it. He's going to ask us why we did for him what we did when we did it. Why did you do what you did when you did it? This is something I've seen over the many years. I'm not talking about anybody we have now on the worship team, but over the many years I've seen it in this church and other churches. Did you know there's some people want to be on the worship team just to be seen of the, of the congregation? Did you, hear, did, you, did you understand that? They really don't want to get up there and lead people in worship. They want to get up there and entertain people and they do it for the accolades. Intense. What was your intent? What was your motive? The Bible talks about like in prayer, you have not because you ask not, and you, you, you ask and receive not because you ask what? Amiss. You ask amiss that you might consume what you're asking for upon your own pleasures. See, there's a motive in prayer. See, God's looking at motives. Why do we do what we do when we do it? What's your motive? I've watched this over the many years. Sometimes, fellas, Typically, fellows a lot of times will come to church for a while. They don't really love the Lord, but they'll come to church for a while because there's a pretty girl there that does love the Lord. And they want to come. They're not really interested in the Lord. They're interested in, in that, what's it called? Girlvation. Not salvation, but girlvation. They want that girl, you know. Motives. Intense. Why did you do what you did when you did it? This is an area that we don't normally think of as sin, but there's a lot of things that we can do. And if our motive isn't right, if, if our motive isn't correct, if our motive isn't proper. Realize, say motive. motive. Say intent. Yeah. What was your motive? What was your intent? Why did you do what you did when you did it? We, we see this a lot of times in, in the giving of tithes and offerings and something that, that the Lord doesn't like. I don't like it. You know, he doesn't like something we shouldn't like it. Is that right? Is that right? Is, you know, a lot of times, you know, uh, you'll see, you've seen this over the years, ministers receiving tithes and offerings and they're, they'll, you know, they'll promise people all kinds of things from the word of God that the word of God doesn't really say. But the intent is, is to get people's money. So I want you to give because I understand from the word of God that giving will bring blessing to you. Yes, it blesses the house of God, but it brings blessing to you. See, intent. And what is, what is your intent? When, and God doesn't like it when, when preachers build people out of money. God doesn't like that. Realize, say amen. amen. But also when you give your tithes and offerings, why are you doing it? Why? Are you giving to get? There's a principle of, yeah, we give to receive. Certainly that's there, but that's not the main motive. The main motive is we give to be, say, to be a blessing. Yeah, to be a blessing. All right, go to Malachi 3.13. It's 11.07. I don't want to, I, I want to get this in, but I need you, I need to finish up a few things because this is my last day on this. Look at Malachi 3.13. New Living Translation will be on the board up there. Has anybody ever spoken untruth about God? Has anybody ever said, you know, and maybe you did it innocently enough, but I wonder why God put sickness on so-and-so. 
You know God doesn't put sickness and disease on people. He's not the author of that. Did you know that? Wonder how come God brought that tornado in through Joplin. Just tore everybody. He didn't bring the tornado in there. Can you say amen to that? He's not in the business of killing little babies. And Did you know God's gotten blamed for a lot of things? He, he Not good English, but good theology. He ain't never did. Is that right? Look here at Malachi 3.13. God speaks. He says, you have said, you have said what? Terrible. terrible things about me, says the Lord. Did you know people say terrible things about the Lord? And a lot of times when they say them, they don't even realize. Look what these people. But you say, what do you mean? What have we said against you? Do you know it's, it's possible to say something against the Lord? And you don't even think you've spoken against him, but yet you have. That's what happened to these people in Malachi. King James says, your words have been stout against me. Here, the New Living Translation says, you've said terrible things about me. And I'm telling you, Christians do this a lot. They say terrible things about the Lord. Wonder why the Lord, you know, did this. Wonder why he, he did that, you know. Wonder why he caused that 16-year-old to be killed in a car accident. How many of you know he didn't do that? I remember one time I was asked to do a funeral for a young girl, people that attended our church years ago. And uh, it was their granddaughter. These folks had moved to another town. I think it was over in Illinois. Their granddaughter had, I believe she was killed in a car accident. I believe that was the case. And uh, because I had been their pastor, they asked me if I would come do the funeral. And I said, certainly I would. And uh, But there was another minister that 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 was going to get up before me and talk. And that's fine. And so he got up there and he went through a whole litany of why God killed this little girl. Now he didn't say it that bluntly, but that's essentially what he was saying. That, you know, God's ways are mysterious. And we don't know why God does what is. Well, God, I, I don't understand why God does all that he does, but I know he doesn't kill 16-year-old kids. I've learned that much. And so he went on with a bunch of his religious talk and, you know, we love him and all that. I don't know, know who it was, but he's up there, you know, and this room is just packed. I mean, you know, I mean, there's hundreds of people there, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people there. And he went on for the longest time, you know, and then I had to follow him. Now I got to get up there and decide, am I going to be a man of God or am I not? So I've always learned, I've learned that we always need to stick and be a man of God. You understand? So I got up there and lovingly, I didn't correct him or nothing like that I just told the truth and I began to talk and I went right through my notes what I already had written down and, and I said God didn't kill this young girl I said it wasn't the will of God for her to die at 16 do you understand that the Bible says with long life I'll satisfy and, and, and show my salvation and so I went through that, and you know, the, the thing of it is, that guy stood up there, I learned something that day, that guy stood up there and said terrible things about the Lord for about 15, 20 minutes. I got up there, and when I said, I'll never forget it, when I said God didn't kill that little girl, that whole room, remember in the, remember in the Bible when it says that, the, that, that Jesus got up to speak there in his hometown and he said some things they didn't like and the whole crowd pressed in on him and they were going to take him out to the cliff of the hill and throw him over? 
That's the only time in my preaching experience where I've ever, when I said that, that whole room, you could tell those people had blood in their eyes for me. And I was concerned. Because I said something true about God. And thank God nobody got me. I think they wanted to. Have you said any terrible things about the Lord? And then the final thing is grumbling and complaining. I'm out of time here, but do you know why the children of Israel, listen to me, do you know why it took them 40 years? One of the biggest reasons, now there's other things we could say, doubt and unbelief and all that, but do you know one of the biggest reasons it took them 40 years to make about a two or three week trip? We're allowed to say grumbling and complaining. And they grumbled and complained about just about everything. Even grumbled and complained about the food that God was giving them. The manna. Doesn't that beat starving? I remember years ago we had a, we, we, we had a dinner. Years ago when we started the church. We had a dinner. And we invited people to come and they came. And, 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 and the one guy, uh, he grumbled and grumbled and complained. And grumbled and complained later at, a, at another meeting about he didn't like the food we served him. And the only time I ever seen Dale Francis get, get angry. <laughs> Yay, Dale. The Bible says, yeah, pastor, you're talking about sin. Yeah, I know. The Bible says be angry and, and Dale got angry and he sinned not. I remember when that guy started grumbling and complaining. Dale said, yeah, for grumbling and, he said, yeah, for not liking the food, all the grumbling and complaining you're doing. He said, I, I went you, I saw you go back up there and fill your plate up three or four, four times for not liking all that food. Why'd you go for, yay, Dale. Praise God. Amen. Say yay, Dale. Yay, Dale. <laughs> Grumbler and complainer. I remember that guy and his wife grumble and complain, grumble and complain about everything. I don't want to be an old grumbler, do you? That's perhaps the biggest reason that it took the children of Israel 40 years to make it by a two-week trip. and, And that whole generation, except a couple of them, didn't get to go into promised land. Because they, they stayed in the wilderness. God actually said, he said, your, your bodies, your carcasses that have complained against me is going to die in this wilderness. Well, I tell you what, if we've been grumbling and complaining, let's just, let's just make an adjustment. The Bible says do all things without complaining. Be content with such things as you have. I'm, I've had to really work on this but uh, in my life. And I've, I've gotten better, haven't I? I've gotten better. Amen. I haven't arrived yet, but I'm, I'm better. Now, as I conclude this series, I, the biggest prayer I have for all of us is that none of us have a case of the I know buts. Have you ever had a case of the I know buts? I know buts? Huh? Have you ever had a case of the I know buts? Romans one thirty two. notice what it says here real quick. Look what it says, because I, I, I've had a case of the I know buts. Romans one thirty two. who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but 
Realize, say, but, but also approve of those who practice them. See, these people had a case of the I know buts. And I've had a case of it. I, I still deal with this. I, I, I think maybe some of us deal with it more than others, but uh, like fear and worry. I know I shouldn't worry. I know I shouldn't, but I'm going to anyway. I know I shouldn't be afraid, but I just can't help it. I know I shouldn't eat 17 pieces of chocolate cake, but I just can't resist. How many of you know we can resist? Well, I just know I ought to forgive that person, but you don't know what they did to me. I wonder if anybody's ever said that in here besides me. I know I shouldn't talk bad about people, but everybody else in the group's doing it, so I just thought I should join in. I know I ought to love my husband, but he's just such a scoundrel. I know I ought to, I know I ought to submit to my husband, but I just can't do it. I know I ought to love my wife, but I just, I just can't bring myself to do it. I know I ought to live by faith and trust God, but, 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 but. I, I know I shouldn't put the ball game ahead of God, but. Has anybody ever had a case of the I know buts besides me? How many's ever had a case of the I know buts? I know I shouldn't be manipulative, but. I, I, I know I shouldn't think those things, but. I know I shouldn't grumble and complain, but. I know, I know I shouldn't go to that movie. That's got all that cussing in it, taking the name of the Lord in vain. And, and, and all that sexual innuendo. I know I shouldn't do it, but I really want to see that movie. Has anybody ever done that besides me? How many of you, there's been a few movies that have come out lately that you really wanted to go see? I wanted to go see Killing Lincoln. I wanted to go see that. But we looked it up. It had, had some bad words in there. Christians don't go see those things. All the people that went and saw that just start ducking. <laughs> you couldn't see that, but I... Yeah, I really want to go see the lone survivor. 150 F words in it. Do Christians go see that? We covered that last week, didn't we? Yeah, I, I know, I know I shouldn't, listen to this, I know I shouldn't go see that, but all my other Christian friends are going. How many has ever had a case of the I know buts besides me? Stand with me if you would. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes.